the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. How do we know when we are blessed? What are the signs? How can you tell? I once went to an appointment, and when I greeted the receptionist and asked her how she was doing, her response was, I'm blessed. A wonderful sentiment, perhaps, but her tone and the way she made the response made me wonder. Her response struck my ear as smug and self-satisfied, and I, I couldn't help but ask myself, are you, though? <laughs> Would the state of being blessed draw out such a superior attitude? I don't know. How do we know when we're blessed? What does it look like? Oftentimes we think of a blessed state as having our creature comforts met. We're blessed when we have adequate food, shelter, and health. We think of ourselves as blessed with family and friends, blessed to be able to own a few nice things and to be fortunate. We think of ourselves as blessed when we, we have our wits about us, blessed when pain and grief are far away, blessed when we have some sort of control and say over our lives. There are blessings in these things, of course. We can count ourselves as fortunate and lucky when we have those things because we know we live in a world that is riddled with so much suffering. But here comes Jesus, right? And Jesus has something a little bit different to say about blessings, doesn't he? Jesus sees the crowds of people that have started to emerge around him, and he gathers up his first disciples, and he begins to teach. The Sermon on the Mount, which is, and this is the, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, here is our first opportunity in the Gospel of Matthew that we are given to hear the content of Jesus' teachings. And his sermon begins with these words. Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and those who hunger for righteousness. Right out of the gate, Jesus is upsetting the way that we make sense of the world. For indeed, Jesus begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Some have chosen to translate this poor in spirit as hopeless or at the end of their rope. These are not the spiritual elite. These are the people who have been beaten down by life and are at their wit's end. Blessed are those who mourn, those whose hearts are broken, trampled down by life's misfortunes, really? Blessed are the meek. Maybe we might translate this as humble, but there's also a sense of being humiliated here. 
And the blessing for those who hunger for righteousness, we could also translate righteousness as justice. These are people who know oppression. They're not trying to become more pious. They are longing for liberation from exploitation and tyranny. How can we imagine these people as blessed? I mean, what does being blessed even mean in this sense? It sounds foolish. Well, sometimes, yes, being blessed equates to happiness. Now, that doesn't really work here, does it? This blessing that these folks have, it's, it's not psychological. It's not a subjective event. Rather, the blessing that we have depicted here is that we're meant to see here is a sense of God's deep approval. The blessing that these folks have is, is not a blessing that we might necessarily perceive. It is a blessing that can only be grasped in faith and trust and hope. Once it's grasped, there might be cause for joy because then we can see that God has not abandoned those who suffer even in the midst of confusion, heartbreak, and injustice. But that joy is not a given. And yet, the blessing is there nonetheless. And the blessing that is given here is, is tied to this reality of God's kingdom or rule. It's mentioned several times, right? Right there in the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven is the key understanding about what is going on in these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of the beatitudes point to that kingdom of heaven in their own way. And yet we see that this kingdom is not yet fully realized. We see this captured in the future tense of the verbs in many of these beatitudes. God's reign is not fully realized yet. But the blessings, the blessing of that kingdom is a foretaste of that kingdom that is to come. The blessing that Jesus announces and makes a reality is God's favor, operative, even and especially in the midst of the hardship of hopelessness, grief, humiliation, and depression. So let us be clear here. Jesus begins his ministry by declaring God's solidarity, concern, and favor upon those who are bereft and no misfortune. Jesus is declaring God's favor on the losers. I didn't plan that bell. <laughs> Jesus is declaring God's favor for the losers of this world. And the first four Beatitudes can be seen as a way of capturing the various ways that humanity suffers and then shows that God suffers with us in our humanity and gives us the promise that God will deliver us from our distress. 
The next four Beatitudes point to how we might respond to this suffering, whether we are experiencing it or not. Jesus tells us, blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for justice' sake. The prophet Micah put it in this way, God has told you, O O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's another way of saying these next four Beatitudes. And it's worth mentioning here that the, the purity of heart that Jesus mentions, is, it's not so much about piety, but rather about singleness of focus and orientation toward God and God's reign. This mercy, this singleness of focus, peacemaking, and risk of persecution, these are all an invitation to respond to the suffering of this world and to realize God's blessing when we do so. Jesus is declaring God's grace for those who suffer with an implicit demand on the rest of us. Jesus is proclaiming a blessing upon those who suffer and then extends that blessing to those who seek to alleviate suffering. Wherever we are in life, we are all invited to join that latter group. And the final beatitude makes this clear. Jesus says, blessed are you, turning the attention away from the the third person to the second. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you on my account, which is to say, on account of mercy, on account of peacemaking, on account of justice work, on account of the kingdom building that Jesus points to with these very same Beatitudes. The Beatitudes then are a gateway toward perceiving the world anew, an entrance point into seeing the world through the lens of God's kingdom. They invite us to come alongside God and to participate in God's concerns, hopes, and dreams, just as God comes alongside those who suffer. The Beatitudes invite us to question our world and look to transform it as we come to share God's vision. The Beatitudes, they ask us how we might look to transform our society in the wake of of mass shootings like the one last week in Monterey Park. There have been more mass shootings in our country in 2023 than there have been number of days. How do we go about working for change? How do we free ourselves from the grip of firearms, violence, and despair? How can we be a source of hope and transformation? Or in light of the murder of Tyree Nichols at the hands of police officers, the Beatitudes ask us, how can we begin to reimagine how law enforcement is done in our country? How can we promote and work for justice 
outside of an oppressive and carceral system based around coercion through violence and punishment. The Beatitudes invite us to imagine together restorative and transformative systems of justice might look like for both victims and perpetrators of crime alike. There are folks who are, who are doing this work of imagining anew. And as followers of Jesus, I believe that we are invited to learn from their witness and to be open to the change that we so desperately need. How do we know we are blessed? Despite our expectations, we actually can trust that we are blessed when things have gone haywire. These Beatitudes invite us to see a deeper blessing beyond just comfort, safety, and security. Instead, they invite us to realize that we are blessed in the midst of calamity because that is when God is near in God's love for us and our suffering. God draws close in our trials. And so, too, we are blessed when we draw close as God draws close to this suffering world. When we work for justice and peace, when we look to heal this world, then, then we can trust that God's blessings are for us and with us. For indeed, what does the Lord require of us but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? Amen.